and someone tell us about it. Good, don't be shy. You got a favorite pair of clothes? Favorite clothes? Why? Like an actual, an actual piece. Say it again. There you go. How come? Why is that your favorite? Excellent. All right. Batman one piece onesie flint. Excellent flannel. Who else? Who's got other? It does. Maybe something like this. That's your favorite. Yeah. How come? I saw it online and I just was like, wow, I have to have that. And why do you like it so much? I don't know because it's colorful and happy and matches a lot of things and nice. makes me. It hides all the. You know, flaws. <laughs> there you go. Flaws. Who else? Who else has favorite clothes? These are my uh, favorite travel pants. <laughs> okay, how come? Lots of pockets to lose stuff in. Okay. According to my wife, I've been at 95 degrees, 100 percent relative humidity in Rome, and I've been in cold temperatures, always comfortable. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> utility utility and comfort nice who else has favorite clothes come on don't be shy I have my Led Zeppelin shirt and my wife wants me to throw away because there's a big hole in it now <laughs> but you, there's no way you get rid of it and why why is it such a favorite piece of clothes why do you love it so much uh, I've had it for a really long time it's now very comfortable uh, I don't know maybe it's somehow represented Breaking away from certain style music that I liked a long time ago. Okay. Good. All my black hooded sweatshirts. Yes. <laughs> and how come? I don't know. I just like a pack of them, but I don't know. And it's probably because I have too many of them. Though. But they're all broken in, so they feel good. Yeah. It's awesome. Anyone else? Do shoes count? Sure. <laughs> you got a favorite pair of shoes? Awesome. Why are, why are they your favorites? Um, because they can go with anything. They're like these Ugg um, wedge booties, and they are totally waterproof. They're warm. They're comfortable. And they can wear them anything. Perfect. Perfect. Karen? The sweater I have on. <laughs> <laughs> I got it at a secondhand store. So it's cheap, but it's soft, and it's warm without being too binding. And it has lines that are uncharacteristic for me. Nice. And I like being straight and orderly, and this is not. That's nice. <laughs> good for me. And the sleeves are super long, and I have long arms, and they're always too short. Very nice. <laughs> Excellent. I like it. I like it. Good. Thanks for sharing. And, and try to be thinking about your favorite piece of clothes over the next couple of weeks as we get together. See, here in our text, St. Paul says, you have clothed yourself with Christ. God is our clothes. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, really thought about it. Not in some hyper-spiritual way that we love to do. We love to get hyper-spiritual when we read something we don't understand or we don't want to get too close to the reality of it, so we hyper-spiritualize it. But I mean, really thought about this in an organic, consistent, with the imagery type of way. This is a stunning metaphor. Absolutely stunning. And because the last time we were in Galatians, remember, we, Paul had brought up this metaphor, Abba, so then we took that 
turn into the parable of the prodigal son so we could explore that. I wanted to come back. We're back in Galatians now, and I wanted to return to the same section of Galatians because I want to explore this idea of God as our clothes. God as our clothes. This is the only place we find this in Scripture. Most scholars agree that this is uniquely Pauline. This is definitely something Paul wrote. It was unique to Paul. Now, the metaphor of clothing for putting on things is not unique. Because I saw some of you thinking, no, that's all over Scripture. Right. The metaphor for clothing for putting on things is not by itself unique. It's a very common image we find in Scripture. In fact, we can find it in the very beginning of the story. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And we're going to come back to that because I think that is incredibly close to the metaphor Paul is getting at. So we're going to come back to that in a moment. But we also find it at the end of the story in an absolutely another very difficult and incredible and magical metaphor here is we find ourselves clothed in robes washed white by the very blood of Christ himself. Think about that difficult metaphor. You know, what's the first thing you do when you get blood on your clothes? You wash the blood off because it stains and it, right? And all that. And like when you, you have children and they get bloody noses and there goes the shirt. But think about this image. Actually taking dirty, washing it in blood and it comes out white. That's a spectacular metaphor, speaking of metaphors. And in between the beginning and the end, throughout the narrative of our scriptures, we have all sorts of references to this metaphor of clothes. We have this great one here in Job. I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. Let's see. Second Chronicles. Nope, that's still Job. There it is. Second Chronicles. May your priest, Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your faithful people rejoice in your goodness. Great one here in the Psalms. She is clothed with strength and dignity. I like that. Or is that the Psalms? No, that's Proverbs. I must have missed my Psalm. Oh, I did. I missed my son. That's right. Isaiah, I delight the great in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in robe of his righteousness. These dance along the line of what Paul is getting at, but nothing is direct as Paul. Then, in Colossians, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Another great metaphor. I think we have Paul writing to the Romans as well. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. And I think I have one more from... Nope, I don't. This is my Ephesians one too. But anyway, as you can see, all of these do not take that metaphor as, as far as Paul takes it here. Clothed in Christ. I think this is absolutely stunning. Lauren Winner, while writing about this metaphor for God, quotes Alexander McLaren. He was a Baptist minister born in Glasgow, Scotland in 1826, and he wrote this. He says, It takes a lifetime to fathom Jesus. It takes a lifetime to appropriate Jesus. It takes a lifetime to be clothed with Jesus. And the question comes to each of us. Have we put off the old man with his deeds? There's getting rid of appeasement theology, right? I love how everything sort of just dovetails together as we continue to, to dive into Scripture. We've been talking about getting rid of appeasement theology for, for months on end, and here it is. Here's this guy back in the 1800s telling people, get rid of your appeasement theology. It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. Are we daily, as sure as we put our clothes on in the morning, putting on Christ the Lord? What a great thing. I love that. So here's, again, 
Let's, let's let this question sit with us over the next couple weeks. We're going to be in this text for two weeks, today and next week. And let's just let it sit with us. Are we putting on Christ the Lord as sure as we put on our clothes? Now, as I think about this image that Paul used here, I can't help but think Paul was going back to this, to the beginning, and I'm going to try to explain this here. I'm sure that this story to Paul was always incredibly important, the, the, the beginning narrative of, of, of the beginning of things. And as, you know, so versed in Scripture, he would have been very familiar with this. But now, as Paul has discovered this God that is a graceful God, a God of grace and mercy, a God that sacrificed himself for us, I'm sure this is now flooded with new meaning for him this year. New purpose, new beauty, new grace. Now, interestingly, last week, we saw, last week, for those who weren't here, we had our annual remembrance service, our All Saints service. And we used this text because we saw that God allowing us to return to dust and removing us from the Garden of Eden was actually the first great act of saving grace. Because we saw that, what does God do with dust? He breathes life into it. What a beautiful thing to let us go back to dust. And by removing us from the Garden of Eden, he gets us away from the tree of life that had we eaten of there, then we are immortal separate from God. So he says, yeah, I don't want that. I want to be with you forever. And so he removes us, this beautiful act of grace, lets us go back to dust, breathes new light into us because we can eat from the real tree of life, the cross. So it's a beautiful, wonderful act of grace. And here, this making of clothes for us was part of that first great act of grace of a God who loves us so much. Now, sadly, this has often been understood as God's negative commentary on nakedness. I'm sorry, Christians just hung up with nakedness for some reason. And, and this is often taught that God hated our nakedness and therefore he put clothes on us. And, and all that did is add to the shame of what happened in the beginning, right? There was enough shame to go around at the fall that I don't think God was adding to it. In fact, one of the great lies I think that religion has perpetrated is that shame is from God. No, it's not. Shame is not conscience. Shame is something the enemy of souls introduced us all to. Shame has nothing to do with God. God died to take away our shame. Give us back the dignity of being creatures that God made in his image. Okay. I don't think this image here, this clothing, had anything to do with nakedness at all. Adam and Eve, in their own shame, had sort of taken care of that, right? They did fig leaves. Something that just floored God when they showed up and he was looking for them. What? Why the fig leaves? We're naked. Well, who told you that? That's dumb. Mm. I believe this was something far more mysterious on one level and far more beautiful on another. Let's start with the beautiful. In the garden, all their needs were met, right? All their needs were met in the garden. They were provided for. Clothes were not necessary. They weren't necessary in the garden. But now they were headed out into a world of all sorts of danger. A world where protection, clothing, would be necessary. And so this is a gift. A beautiful parting gift, if you will. Reminds me of that haunting song by Cat Stevens, 
some of you that are older. Sorry, Rich, you don't like these kind of songs, but that's okay. Um, Cat Stevens wrote this great song, Wild World, and in it, it says, he says, if you want to leave, take good care. I hope you have a lot of nice things to wear, but just remember a lot of nice things turn bad out there. It's a wild world. And I always think of that when I'm reading this passage of God sort of just looking at Adam and Eve and saying, you know, it's not safe out there, my beloved children, but this will help them. And he gives them his parting gift. Lauren Winter likes to read this scene and imagine just, you know, God at his table sewing and sewing and sewing like our grandmothers would sew us a pair of socks or something. It's beautiful. Ultimately, ultimately, this is a manual. This is God with us. God going with us out into this wild world by giving us his clothes. On another level, there's deep mystery here. To make these clothes, God had to have sacrificed an animal, a friend of Adam's, at some level, right? I mean, Adam did name the animals and live with them for a time until he realized they were not enough and he wanted more. That's how the narrative goes, right? There is no indication pre-fall that animals were provided for food. You really have to do a lot of mental and theological gymnastics to read that into the pre-fall narrative. There's, there's nothing in the original that suggests animals were given for food pre-fall. So this sacrifice was a huge deal. A huge deal. And ultimately, clearly a type of Christ. In the sense of foreshadowing the ultimate sacrifice that would save mankind, right? So there's a sacrifice right there that we needed. So Paul's use of this metaphor, we can sense the same great mystery that's going on here in the very beginning. Clothe yourself with Christ. Clothe yourself with Christ. So I think Paul was thinking of something he brought it. Timothy Keller, when commenting on this passage in Galatians, writes... To say Christ is our clothing is to call us to a moment-by-moment dependence and existential awareness of Christ. There's a great, there's a great quote. I don't always agree with everything Timothy Keller says, but that is a great quote. Starting to see now why maybe appropriating this metaphor as God as our clothes can really help. Can really, really help. I think maybe this is why the metaphor for me is so stunning. Wearing God. What does that really mean? What does that really look like? I hope you can be here next week because we're going to dive more into this. And I think this metaphor can help us better know and better love God and better learn how to love others and live in this world the way God wants it. Think of clothes. We use them to create our identity, or at least part of our identity. We use clothes to communicate our identity to others, right? We use clothes to create community. We use clothes to create boundaries. We use clothes to cover, to protect, to hide. It was interesting how many of these ideas came out as people were talking about why they like their favorite clothes. 
you thought of it this way, clothing, clothes, sorry, clothes are the most singularly consistent part of our lives. They are the most singularly consistent part of our lives. Other than breathing. Clothing ourselves is the most singularly consistent routine in our lives. We have no other routine as consistent as clothing ourselves. Think about that. And think about this. Clothes are consistently closer to us in physical intimacy than anything else in our lives. Hmm. You have clothed yourself with Christ. Fascinating. Fascinating. So I'm going to let that sit there. And I want you to be thinking about that. And next week we're going to talk about all these ideas of clothes, all the things we use them for, and God is our clothes. God, you have clothed yourself on Christ. But remember, let's continue to ask ourselves, are we daily, like McLaren said, as sure as we put our clothes on in the morning, putting on Christ the Lord. Maybe, maybe, if we understood God as our clothes, we would be much more apt to answer that question in the affirmative because is there really anything better than being clothed in pure love? I saw that he is to us everything that is good and comfortable for us. He is our clothing that for love wrappeth us, claspeth us, and all encloseth us for tender love, that he may never leave us, being to us all thing that is good. Amen.